So last weekend, we started looking at the books of First and Second Samuel, and we looked at the introductions of the three main characters, I feel like, are the three main characters in those books, okay? Uh, Samuel, Saul, and David. Because within those introductions of these men, we find lessons in character. And if you remember, uh, we defined character as the mental, moral, ethical, and overall honorable qualities of a person. A person with good character is committed to constantly, consistently do the right thing to honor God, but then also to honor the people around them, no matter what the cost. And our big takeaway from last weekend was your character will either carry you to or keep you from your calling. The prophet Samuel anoints Saul as the very first king of Israel. Israel wanted a king. Okay, they had rejected God as their leader and wanted to look like all the other nations. We want a king. Give us a king to rule over us. And God says, I'll give you a king, but he's going to be a mess. He's going to do terrible things. He's going to have terrible character, but the people didn't care. <laughs> give us a king. We want a king. Saul starts off pretty good, but it wasn't long before the stress of being a king revealed his true character. And he started to completely ignore God. And do his own thing. Do things his own way. And in 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 17, the prophet Samuel calls out the source of Saul's bad character and decisions. And Samuel says, although you may think little of yourself. You may think little of yourself, but are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. We really broke that down last week. Go back. I really encourage you to go back and listen to last week. But Saul was an insecure and fearful person. And those fears were the foundation for the character flaws that led to his faithless decisions, decisions that ultimately kept him from his calling. This weekend, what I want to do is I want to talk about David. Because David's story is the exact opposite, like complete contrast. It's really one of the main things you see and pick up from the books of First and Second Samuel is this contrast between Israel's first king, Saul, and King David. And so um, I love the story of David. David has, again, in contrast to Saul, David has impeccable character. He's not perfect, but like we talked about last week, he is consistent. He's consistently honorable. And I believe that the reason David was faithful is because he was fearless. David was fearless. And so let me give you the title of the message this weekend so you'll know exactly where we're going. Fearlessly faithful. Just write that down. The reason David was faithful is because he was fearless. And let me give you this whole sermon in one sentence. And I really want you to dial in so you'll have it. The absence of fear comes from the presence of the Lord. I think one of the most important things to understand as a believer, the absence of fear comes from the presence 
of the Lord. Let me, uh, let me show you what I mean. Arguably, the most famous story in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath. Okay? This, like, this is how we typically introduce David. David! You know, David, the giant killer. Okay? But that's not how the Bible introduces him. If you remember from last week, Saul's disobedience caused God to look for a new king. And God says, I have sought out for myself a man after my own heart. Like that was David's real introduction. That was his introduction. Not his name, not his deeds, not what David did, but who David was. He was a man after God's own heart. Let me say it this way. The reason that God chose David for this is because first David did this. David was a powerful warrior because first he was an authentic worshiper. David fearlessly defeated Goliath because he was faithfully devoted to God. You remember God led Samuel to the house of Jesse, who had several sons. These sons were big and strong, but as big and strong as these other boys were, they weren't the one that God was looking for. And verse 11 says, Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, well, they're still the youngest, but he's out tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We're not going to even eat until that boy gets here. And so they go and look for David. When they find him, when they finally find David, because he was out in the fields, out with the sheep, when they finally find, uh, find him, what would they have found David doing? Like what was the job of a shepherd? Now, ultimately, we know that David's job was to make sure that the sheep had everything that they needed to thrive. Psalm 23 is a song written by David. And in that song, David is the sheep and the Lord is the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> One day, David's watching over his sheep and, and it occurs to him, huh? God watches over me. Huh. He takes care of all my needs. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He starts singing. I shall not want. He's directing the sheep. The sheep are like, you know. <laughs> he makes me lie down in green pastures. In other words, he makes sure that I have food. He leads me beside still waters. In other words, he makes sure that I have something to drink. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then he starts, starts geeking out, man. He starts writing this song. I got to write all this stuff down. It became so clear. David's job and joy was to lead his sheep down the right paths to the right places in order to receive the right things that would keep his sheep fat and sassy. And he loved it. And he's thinking about this and he becomes overjoyed with gratitude and he writes this song about the one who cares for him in the same way that he cares for his sheep. 
and he's writing and he's singing and the sheep are behind. And God was right there with him. His presence. And God was pleased. I think God was singing right along with him. You know, you fast forward to the day that he goes up against Goliath. And everyone thinks that David is crazy for thinking that he could defeat this giant. But David says, this is 1 Samuel chapter 17. He says, hey, back home, I tended my father's sheep. And whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And if it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. <laughs> Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, I want you to notice David is talking in the plural. Like there wasn't just one lion. There wasn't just one bear. David had gone up against multiple beasts. And every time he won. <laughs> and remember, this was, this was a point of praise for him in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Just like I use a rod and a staff to take care of my sheep, you take care of me with your rod and your staff. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And he's just singing it, boldly saying his song over and over in the presence of the Lord. And every time he sang that song and other songs just like it, his faith was fortified. People get in the presence of the Lord. Sing. Let the songs, let the words, let the lyrics and the melodies come out of your mouth. When you do, there's something happening in the supernatural. And your faith is being bolstered. Your faith is being fortified. David became more and more fearless because the absence of fear comes from the presence of God. Amen. Now, let me ask you this. What if the opposite were true? Like, what if the absence of God allows for the presence of fear? Let me say that again. We said that the absence of fear comes from the presence of God, but what if the opposite is true? What if the absence of God allows for the presence of fear. But you look back again at 1 Samuel 16. They eventually find David out in the field with the sheep and bring him home to Samuel. Verse 12 says that the Lord said, this is the one. Anoint him. <laughs> so as David stood among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of oil that he had brought and he anointed David with the oil. And it says that the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Meanwhile, remember Saul? Everybody remember Saul? King Saul? Look what it says next. Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. So the spirit of the Lord comes upon David. The spirit of the Lord has left Saul. 
And the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. You need to catch this because to a degree, this applies to us. What do we know about Saul? We know that he didn't listen to the Lord. He didn't wait on the Lord. Saul did his own thing and he just left the Lord behind. You could say that there was a major absence of God in Saul's life. And when there is an absence of God, it leaves room for something else to move in. And since the opposite of faith is fear, fear moves in first. The absence of God allows for the presence of fear. I know this personally to be true, guys. Personally. Every time I take my eyes off of the Lord and I start doing things my own way, in my own strength, I try to provide for myself, I try to uh, protect myself every time, every time. Let me say it this way. Every time I try to shepherd myself, I'm filled with the same thing that filled Saul. Depression and fear. Am I in the right house this morning? When I don't trust God, when I don't believe that the Lord loves me, anybody ever struggled with that? It's a big one. Listen, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears has not fully experienced his perfect love. When I forget that God loves me and is for me, not against me, and that he has plans to lead me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake, <laughs> fear shows up because fear is the opposite of faith. Amen? The spirit of the Lord had left Saul and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, a tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior and a man of war and has good judgment. <laughs> it's interesting because David is just a teenager. He's never been to war. As far as we know, he's never even seen a battle. Why would they say that David was a brave warrior? Because... They had heard about his run-ins with the lions and the bears. David's reputation preceded him. He was never after a remarkable reputation, but God gave him one anyway. We talked about that last week. If you'll guard your character, God will take care of your reputation. But when you're fighting to have a certain reputation usually the first thing that goes is your character because the foundation of it is fear and insecurity. 
Not only that, he is a brave warrior and a man of war, and he is of good judgment. He's also fine looking. He's a hunk. <laughs> he is also a fine looking young man. And listen to what it says. And the Lord is with him. And that's the best part of David's reputation. I guarantee it. The Lord is with David. And the reason that the Lord was with David is because David was with the Lord. Man, I hope you're hearing me this morning. Verse 19 says, so Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a goat donkey loaded with bread and a wine skin full of wine. Verse 21 says, so David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much. A lot of people don't realize this because we know the story of the conflict between Saul and David moving through the story. But there was a time when Saul and David um, were very fond of each other. They were, they were very close. Saul loved David very much, and David became his armor bearer, became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. Now, I want you to listen to me. David never just played his harp. If David's harp was in his hands, then he was in the presence of the Lord. Okay, so David didn't drive out that spirit of fear. God's presence drove out that spirit of fear. Are you with me? The absence of fear comes from the presence of God. By the way, David uh, says that he was a skilled harp player. Why was he skilled? Because he practiced. <laughs> right? Anyone ever heard the uh, phrase, practice makes perfect? Practice makes perfect. I've always thought that when they found David out in the field, they went and looked for him to bring him to Samuel. When they found him, I've always thought they found him playing his harp. Like that's what he was out there doing playing his harp, just practicing, just in the presence of the Lord. Once you think about this, David practiced his harp, but he also practiced the presence of the Lord. Let me think about how Psalm 23 ends. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David's not declaring that he's going to live in the tabernacle with the priest. That's not what he's saying. He's saying your presence is is the best place I've ever been. He even wrote a song about it. Psalm 16, verse 11. You will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I hope you're hearing me. I want you to listen. The presence of the Lord is something that you practice. It takes time and repetition you can't expect one 10-minute quiet time to cast out all of your fears and insecurities and depression. We laugh, but I think somehow we think that there's this just magical thing that happens and God just breathes on it. Whew, you know, We're like, like God's one of those TV evangelists that just waves his towel at you and you, all, it all happens. Man, I'm telling you, no. What did we read earlier? There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears has not fully experienced his perfect love. Now, God's love is already perfect, all right? God's love is perfect, and we find that love in 
his presence. But what I'm trying to say is it may take a while before you experience the absence of fear. It, it may take a while because it takes practice as in repetition. Amen. Now, speaking of practice, let's look back at 1 Samuel 17. Okay. David tells his story about killing the lions and the bears, and he insists that he can take out this giant as well. I'm going to take him out. But why is David so confident? Okay, Think about why is he so confident that he's going to win? Why was he so fearless? Well, he tells us one of the reasons. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and bear will rescue me. The Lord who rescued me then will rescue me now. So we know that's one of the reasons he had such confidence. But also... Um, well, he had confidence. Um, we'll go back to what we've been saying. He practiced the presence of the Lord. He knew he was good at it. He knew that the Lord was with him. Why? Because he was with the Lord. He practiced the presence of the Lord. And he 100% he believed the lyrics to his own song. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of, of my life. That's just where he was at. That's where he was mentally and emotionally at. I know God's with me. Okay? He practiced the presence of the Lord. But he also practiced slinging stones with his slingshot. Like he practiced. Look at verse 37. 1 Samuel 17, 37. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. The whole time he's like, man, this kid's crazy. What is he tripping on? Saul finally consented, all right, go ahead, and may the Lord be with you. And then Saul clothed David with his military attire and put a bronze helmet on his head and outfitted him with armor. And David strapped on his sword over his military attire and struggled to walk. Can you just picture this ruddy little skinny kid out there like, this stuff's heavy. This is made for grown men. He struggled to walk for he had not trained with the armor. So David said to Saul, I can't go out with this stuff. I have not trained with them. He said, I can't fight like this. I didn't kill the lion and the bear with this stuff on. I didn't kill them like this. This isn't what I practiced. So David took them off and then he took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had, that is in his shepherd's pouch, never left him. And his sling was in his hand. So he has his staff in one hand, sling in the other, and he approached the Philistine. Now, in case you don't know the story, watch this.
to give props to my middle son, Cannon. He's the psalmist who wrote the music that I used for that. Really good, huh? Yeah, good job, son. I love this. I love watching that stone go straight to Goliath's forehead. I've had people over the years ask me, did God guide that stone or was David just a really good shot? And I think it was both. Absolutely. And I think, I think David knew it was both. Remember what David said to Goliath? David said to the Philistine, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, but I've come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. This day, I will strike you down <laughs> and I will cut off your head. The Lord is with me and I'm a good shot. Which is a reminder that, listen, we, we are in partnership with God, people. We are in partnership with the Lord. God loves to do his part, but he also loves to watch us do our part. Amen? Let me give you a nugget of gold this morning. God gave us gifts and talents to perfect so that he can empower them. Gifts and talents. How, much, how many in this room feel like you've got a gift or a talent? Something God's given you, a unique ability. That you just know it's from the Lord. Some of you are like, I'm not good at anything. <laughs> it's not true. You're trying to be modest and humble. And if you don't think that you have something, you don't know that you have something, I want to encourage you to practice the presence of the Lord and let him reveal it to you. When he does, get to work. Get to work perfecting that craft because God gave it to you because he wants to empower it to promote himself. Amen, saints. David was the perfect model of what I'm saying right here. He was very gifted, but he was also surrendered. And that's the important part. In fact, I want to show you really quick three examples of David's amazing character. Okay, I'm going to do this really quick, but turn to 1 Samuel 18. You can't boast in his impeccable character and not give you a couple of examples. You see so many. I'm just going to bring attention to three really quick. 1 Samuel 18, Saul was uh, super impressed with David. Okay, super impressed with David. And so he brings David into his service. I mean, this guy kills giants. He needs to come work for me. 1 Samuel 18, starting at verse 5, says, Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war and appointed uh, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after battle, uh, after battle, after David had killed the Philistines, women from all over the town of Israel came out to meet King Saul and they sang and they danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands. And listen, Saul had heard that song many times. Every time he came in from war, the women, Saul has slain his thousands. But that day they added a lyric. And David, his tens of thousands. Saul's like, hey, 
This made Saul very angry. What's this? They credit David with tens of thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him king. (laughs) So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul. Now think back to what comes in. Fear and insecurity. What was going on with him? Jealousy rooted from what? Fear and insecurity. And he says he begins to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day. But Saul had a spear in his hand and suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. Notice it said that this happened twice. Twice Saul tried to pin him to the wall. Right? Now, I want you to think about David's restraint here. It says that David escaped. David is a giant killer. He just took out Goliath with a slingshot and a stone. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to throw anything at somebody that can take out a giant with a stone. What is Saul even thinking? But think about it. David easily could have taken out Saul. He could have retaliated and killed Saul. He didn't even, he didn't throw back the spear. He didn't pull that spear out of the wall and throw it back, hurl it back at Saul. He didn't even pull it out and break it over his knee with a show of disdain. He didn't do anything. He just said he got out of Dodge. He left. And this happened multiple times. That's a display of character. Because you and I would have done something very differently. We would have found a way to retaliate when people come against us, when they say these things, when they um, disagree with us, when they voice their complaint. What do we do? We are defensive. And sometimes that defense turns into offense and now we're attacking them. That's human nature. He overcame that. And with character, he didn't kill or do anything to Saul. Let's look at another display of David's character. Move on over to 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24, David, who was now on the run from Saul. A lot of stuff has happened in this story. Now um, Saul had totally lost his mind trying to kill David. So David had to get out of town, leave. So he's on the run from Saul. Saul is intentionally trying to kill him. Verse 2, Samuel 24, verse 2 says, Saul was told that David had gone into the wilderness of En Gedi. And so Saul chose 3,000 elite troops from all, I guess I would get 3,000 too, if I'm going to come against David, right? He chose 3,000 troops from all of Israel and went down to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. At the place where the road passes some sheepfold, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, by the way, that's not to tinkle. Some people say that, you know, Saul had to go to the bathroom. I was like, I don't think that's what that means. So I looked it up, and sure enough, that's not what it means. Okay, he was trying, he was he was tired. Okay, he was wanting to relieve himself. Just saying. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding further back in that very cave. Now's your opportunity, David's men whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you, I will certainly put your enemy into your power and to you to for you to do as you wish. So David crept forward and cut off a piece of the helm. Of Saul's robe. But then David's conscience began bothering him. Why? 
because he's a man of character. His conscience began bothering him because he had cut off Saul's robe. And he said to the man, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my, uh, to the, my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one. For the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not let them kill Saul. In 1 Samuel 26, if you wanted to go a couple chapters forward, same thing happens again. David and Abishai went right into Saul's camp. Remember Saul's pursuing David. They get close to David. David sneaks into camp one night and finds Saul asleep with his spear stuck in the ground beside his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep around him. And they say, God has surely handed your enemy. Shh. God has surely handed your enemy over to you this time. Let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I don't need to strike twice. And David said, no, don't kill him. For who can remain innocent after attacking the Lord's anointed one? Surely the Lord will strike down Saul someday, or he will die of old age or in battle. The Lord forbid that I should kill the one he has anointed. But take the spear and that jug of water over there by his head, and let's get out of here. And so in both scenes where David spares his life, David lets Saul know, I could have killed you, but I didn't. I love you, Saul. These are your issues, Saul, not mine. And in both times, Saul repents. Oh, my gosh, David, what am I thinking? You're right. We're buds. We go way back. But that spirit of fear, insecurity, and jealousy kept moving in. And he kept trying to kill David. And so for years, years, you guys, David fled from Saul. From the time Samuel anointed David as king to the time he actually became king was somewhere between 10 and 15 years. That alone is a display of character. Knowing you are king, knowing you've been anointed, but being willing to wait on God's timing. Come on. Amen. Now I'm going to show you one more thing and I'm not going to say too much about it, but I just think it's important as it relates to what we're talking about this morning. Once David becomes king, he has a battle, he has a skirmish, somebody comes against him and he, he kicks butt, takes names. But his very first official deed, and it's a long story, but he brings the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. It had been away for many, many years. And you need to understand that the Ark of the Covenant for the people of Israel wasn't just symbolic, it was the power and presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was God's power and God's presence. To stand before that Ark was to be in the presence of God. Let me say it this way. David's very first priority as king was to get Israel back in the presence of God. I love that. It tells us his heart tells us what's on his mind. And I want to repeat again, David was a powerful warrior because he was an authentic worshiper. David fearlessly defeated Goliath because he was 
faithfully devoted to God. Amen? And let me repeat this whole sermon and sentence one more time. The absence of fear comes from the presence of God. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to give you four ways to become, four ways to become fearlessly faithful. Did I write that? Four ways to become fearlessly faithful. I'm not going to expound on them because I think they speak for themselves. But number one, fear the Lord. You want to be fearlessly faithful? Fear the Lord. Make fearing the Lord your priority. Scripture talks about fearing the Lord, reverencing the Lord, honoring the Lord, making him first, giving him the first and your best all the time. So you, I don't have to preach a sermon here. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord first. Number two, practice the presence of the Lord. Practice, just like David, practice the presence of the Lord. And that can look like many things. It can look like prayer and worship, reading the scriptures, even gathering like this today is practicing the presence of the Lord. Practice as in repetition, as in get good at it. Learning to recognize when God speaks. You can only recognize God's voice when you've been in his presence enough to know what he sounds like. Practice the presence of the Lord. You can say it this way. Practice spiritual disciplines. Amen? Number three, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again in this sermon. Leave the spear in the wall. Leave the spear in the wall. And ultimately, this is about forgiveness. Unforgiveness is like a wide open door for the spirit of fear to come in. Jesus talks about this all the time. Listen, if someone has hurt you in their own way, they've thrown spears at you, don't pull that spear out of the wall and yank it, throw it back at them. Leave the spear in the wall. Don't even, break, don't even pull it out and break it over your knee. That's in some display of whatever. Leave the spear in the wall. Amen. Amen. Number four. And I want you to go ahead and stand. Number four, memorize Psalm 23. Memorize. I don't know. I, I just, as I was in prayer and I was thinking about, how, you know, how can we become fearlessly faithful? I felt like the Lord said, tell them to memorize Psalm 23. If you've never memorized it, I want to encourage you to memorize it. Are y'all listening to me? I feel like the Lord's going to do something here. If you were here and you struggle with fear, I feel like the Lord is saying, if you will wrap your heart and your brain and your mind and your time around Psalm 23, what God did in David, he will do in you. Amen?